we go over Rhodey's two key major victories against Duquesne and LaSalle, as well as some great, great games in the Atlantic 10 Conference, as well as a fight in the Big 12, WWE style. We have it all here, all for you, on Ballin' with B-Show. And welcome to episode 13 of season 2 of Ballin' with B-Show. I'm your host, Ga- Gavin B-Show, as always. And Rhode Island had two, um, well, I would say one huge game, but you can't look over the other as they played last Saturday against the LaSalle Explorers home at the Ryan Center with the Rams. They wanted to get that lead growing early. Um, it was a close one in the first, I would say, couple minutes and Rhode Island got you know kept getting seven point six point leads throughout the first half that were then diminished by the LaSalle Explorers especially when they first actually went up seven nothing in the game and LaSalle countered it with a 7-0 run of their own at halftime Rhodey lashed on to a six point lead before blowing it open actually with around 10 minutes left to go they took a 14 point lead in the second half and it looked like as they were just going to run away with it, you know, maybe a 20-point victory, but LaSalle didn't give up. They went on to a 17-2 run and took the lead against the Rams late in the second half. Not what you want to see from Rhode Island, but nonetheless, a couple key shots, fast Russell down the lane, a couple Cyril Angevine layups led Rhodey to a 66-63 victory. Not the prettiest one at all. Hang on to my edge, hung on to the edge of my seat, uh, rather, but... No real star from Rhodey. Just an all-around effort in this one. Fast Russell had 13 points. Jeff Dalton had 10 points. And Antoine Walker and Makai Long both added nine of their own. On the other side of the ball, Isaiah Diaz, real key guy to look out for. He damaged the Rhodey defense. He had 19 points. As well as Scott Spencer, another guard, had 14 points of his own round. Shot their average 40% from the field. While LaSalle shot 48% from the field making 25 of their 52 attempts. Rhode Island, of course, struggling from three, led to that um, 17-2 lull there. They shot 23%, 4 for 17, while LaSalle, on the other hand, shot better. 38%, 8 for 21. Looking at all these numbers, you realize better field goal percentage, more field goals, better three-point percentage, more three-pointers. How could you right possibly win this game? It was free throws. The Rams went 22 from 32 from the charity stripe, going 68%. Compared to LaSalle's 5 for 11, 45%. Rodon forced 22 turnovers, but they did cough the ball 16 times. Obviously, not as good as their usual, around 12.4, 12.6, but they did force 22 turnovers, which were major in that game when it came down the stretch where they needed a couple buckets to regain that lead and get control in that one. This game was really just. One where you don't want to look back on. It's one you want to look look into the future. You have Duquesne uh, last night on Wednesday, and you don't want to look back. All right, it was an ugly game, ugly finish, ugly overall in every aspect of Rhode Their defense splintered. Their offense was, you know, of course, stagnant. So Rhode wanted to get ahead. I think all of Rhodey, all the Rhodey fans wanted to just like skip this game, give us the win in the win column. I don't know how he did it, or I don't care how he did it how much we beat them by, let's just move on, because Duquesne came into town 
last night at the Ryan Center. And in the first half, the Dukes did not waver. They ended up leading at halftime 38-30. to The Rams couldn't seem to get anything going on offense. Their defense was letting easy penetration, leading up to kick out threes. And Cyril Langevin was in foul trouble early. I think got two fouls in the first three to four minutes. He was out for the rest of the first half. And the offensive rebounding uh, on Duquesne was superb. Rodon could not box out a man. And it was just a horrendous look for the Rams. Down 38-30. to And out the break, the Dukes came out scoring an easy bucket giving him a 10-point lead, 40-30, to 30, and the fans at the Ryan Center were just disappointed in the play as of then. But Rhode Island turned it around, and I mean turn around, they turned it around quick. They used a big run, a 10-to-1 run, to bring the score within 41-40 to 40, until they finally got the lead and got ahead to 46-41, to 41, where then Duquesne would have hit a layup and a three-pointer to knock the game back up at 46 and the Ryan Center was loud. It was noisy. Seeing how horrendous this team played in the first half in those first two minutes of the second half, when they turned it on, the fans let them know. And the Rams fit off that energy and went on to win. Ready? Ready? 77-55, to a 22-point victory for Rhode Island. Once they got that lead, they never looked back. You had big-time shots from Jeff Down, who's hitting... Uh, Shot clock buzzers like it was nothing. He looked like vintage Kobe out there, hitting those fadeaway jumpers from the wing with 17 points and 5 assists. Fast Russell getting to the rack and doing what does best is getting steals with 23 points and 4 steals. And Tyrese Martin added a double-double to his stat line with 13 points, 11 rebounds. The Dukes were outscored 47-17 to by the Rams, a 30-point margin. They were led by Marcus Weathers with... Um, 20 points and 7 rebounds, and their other forward looked to be key in the game. Michael Hughes with 6.7 rebounds. During that URI run, he got a little chippy with Jermaine Harris. Ref had to stop the game, talk to the two, almost got teched up. Fans thought he should have got teched up, and for the rest of the game, he got booed whenever he touched the ball. The Rams, faithful, let them know what they think about Michael Hughes and his play. And once they got Cyril back out there, um, on Michael Hughes, he was just fading away from the bucket. He did not want to enter that paint against a physical 6'8", 240, 250, Cyril Langevin, and it showed as down low they couldn't really get anything going besides Marcus Weathers, who fouled out with around five minutes to go in the second half. Really was the last hope for the Duquesne Dukes in that one. The Rams shot an amazing 49% from the field, making 31 of 63 tries. Three-point percentage went for 6 for 14 at 42%. Their free throw percentage, they didn't get to the line a lot. They shot 52%, 9 for 17, and they only coughed the ball up seven times all game while forcing 17 Duquesne turnovers, which was a big difference when it came to that stretch. It was a fat steal, Tyrese Martin tipping the air. You know, it was all these different things, reflection, deflections, and Rhode Island just kept running and getting fast break points, especially thought the tie was going to turn when Tyrese Martin got a tip and a steal down by three. He ran over, went to the layup, and put it right off the bank board for two and got that game within one point, and the fans loved it after a timeout from Duquesne. The Ryan Center was on its feet. It was noisy. The students and all the fans brought the ruckus, and when that final uh, buzzer went off in the second half, when the clock hit zero, Ram fans were as loud as they could be for a huge win over the Duquesne Dukes.
the defense was there, the clutch shots, especially from Jeff Downton, was there. And this win over the Duquesne Dukes bumped Rhodey 10 spots in the net ranking to number 52 and 9 spots in the Ken Palm rankings to 59. Both great signs for Rhodey's at-large hopes for the NCAA March Madness Tournament. But we cannot stop there. They got two tough road games ahead of them. On Saturday, the 23rd, they traveled to Olean to play St. Bonaventure, a testy team with solid guard plays. The Bonnies led by guards Kyle Lofton, Jaron English, and Dominic Welsh. Lofton averages 14.3 points a game and 6.4 assists. Jaron English averages 11.3 points, and Dominic Welsh averages 10.9 points and 6 rebounds. Their main big man, Osun Oshuni, will be out due to injury on Saturday, which will be a big help for Rhode Island. If they can really facilitate to Cyril and Jermaine down low, it could be big games for both of them, if not Antoine Walker as well. Look to the other side of the ball. You have Fast Russell, who's averaging around 19.4 points a game and 4.7 assists, and fifth in the nation of steals with 3.3 steals a game. Cyril, drop below that double-double mark. He's only averaging 9.8 points a game, but still averaging 10.3 rebounds. Jeff Down with 13.8 points a game. And Tyrese Martin, 12 points and 6.7 rebounds a game. Stat on Tyrese Martin. Since the Brown game, he has gone 2 for 24 from three-point land. Seems like he can't buy one to go in. Always hitting back iron, it seems. The Rams and the Bonnies have similar field goal percentages. Rhode Island with 42.4% from the field compared to St. Bonaventure's 42.9%. Rhode Island shooting 30% from the three-point line. And St. Bonaventure shooting 33.7% from that same range. Rhode Island averaging around 68% from the free throw line compared to St. Bonaventure's 75%. Rhode Island only turning the ball over 12.4 times a game, but not as good as St. Bonaventure's 11.9 times a game. A big thing to look out for is that St. Bonaventure has a huge win over a, a quad one win, a neutral game against Rutgers, where they defeated them 70-64, to but they have lost to Kinesis, Siena, and they did get mauled in back-to-back games. And yes, mauled, I think, both 20-point defeats against VCU in Dayton. They're led by head coach Mark Schmidt. Main goal for Rhodey, Oshano Shuni out, get it to Antoine Walker, get Jermaine Harris, get to Sir Langevin down low and feed those guys. Get them established in the early game and then use that to kick out for three. Turnovers are going to be a uh, big key in this game as St. Bonaventure doesn't really give up the ball that much on the offensive side, but if they can really stifle those guards on defense, which are their really only points of production, basically, with um, Osuni out, you have some backups, uh, a backup forward in there for him. You know, if Ron, again, can get turnovers, get easy points, and then attack down low and spread out the offense, that's be the key to a successful game and a victory. Um, nonetheless, in Olean, in a place where last time they played, of course, Rhode Island was on their, whatever, 18-game win streak, led the country, and they did get shut down by the Bonaventure Bonnies against, um, of course, that team with Jared Terrell and A.C. Matthews by Jalen um, Adams. So players like Fats, Jeff, and Cyril really want that revenge, and they use that actually in the Duquesne game to really get an edge, so they wanted that revenge from last year's 21-point um, uh, blown lead. So if they can use revenge in this game, that would be good too. Looking for a victory, a hard-fought victory. Nonetheless, it will be for Rams if they want to get a win in St. Bonaventure. The Bonnies are currently 12-7 and on the year and 4-2 and in the A 
10. We can move on now to Tuesday night's matchup on the road in Fairfax, Virginia against the George Mason Patriots led by their head coach Dave Paulson and guard Javon Green as well as Jordan Miller. Uh, Javon Green averages 14.8 points a game and 5.9 rebounds. Jordan Miller with 12.7 points a game. And their forward, A.J. Wilson, averaging 11.4 points and 8.4 rebounds a game. They're going to be without star guard Justin Keir, who I think had a knee or leg uh, injury. I don't know where in the leg, but he had a season-ending uh, leg injury. Um, who He really tore up Rhode Island last year at the Ryan Center. Again, another revenge game for the Rams. So... They're looking for that revenge against a very similar uh, George Mason team, but without Justin Keir, it's going to be hard to stop those quick guards from Rhodey. George Mason shoots the ball around 42.3% from the field and 32% from the three-point distance, and they do shoot 71.8% from the charity stripe, and they do turn the ball over 12.8 times a game. They have a W over Navy and Nebraska, probably two of their biggest ones, but they have lost of course, Maryland, who you or I played um, in the early going of the non-conference, and they did lose on the road against a, you know, stealthy, but yeah, I'll say stealthy, a George Washington team. Rhode Island's keys to that game definitely expose the guard play. Without Justin Keir, Rhode Island's got to have a great guard play. If they have, you know, Fats going, if Tyrese can start hitting threes, that would be great. If Tyrese starts hitting threes anytime, I would be happy. But Fats and uh, Jeff got to step up like they did last night. And if they can do that and force turnovers, always force turnovers is the key. But they can really play great defense against Javon Green and Jordan Miller and really limit those chances of getting um, any three-point shots off or any easy buckets. And they can play great themselves. That will be uh, uh, clutch to a roadie victory in that one. So, we've gone over roadies past two and their next two upcoming Games, so let's get into some great A10 action. We start here on Friday night, last Friday, number 13 Dayton paid a visit to St. Louis to play the Billikens. And wow, this game did not disappoint. St. Louis has as much as a 13 point lead um, late in that second half, but Obi Toppin, Jalen Crutcher, and the Dayton Flyers just did not stop. All right, they just kept running, they kept gunning, and they came back and um, they actually took the lead late in that second half until St. Louis got a layup to go at the buzzer to send this game into overtime. Now, when I say St. Louis stinks at free throw shooting, they rank second worst in the NCAA in free throw shooting. Their two best players, um, I think Goodwin, shot, shoots like, 54% from the free, uh, free throw line. And I think Hassan French suits like 34% from the free throw line. Not good. It really hurt them in overtime. They got to the line a couple times. So they could not get some shots to fall. But nevertheless, St. Louis took the lead late in overtime with around a couple with around six seconds to go. They hit two free throws from their guard who can hit free throws. And they went up one. And it was looking like St. Louis had this one in the bag. They just outplayed Dayton six seconds ago. Um, just two free throws, put him ahead. But the ball got inbounded to Jalen Crutcher. He went down the right side, past half court, crossed over, fade in three from the top of the key, and it went 
in. Scott Van Pelt said it was one of the best games of college basketball all year, and I could not agree more. I was watching that game live, and it was just a very exciting matchup, especially with Jalen Crutcher's three-pointer to win it. Um, that was just something you, you, you know, make up in a dream. And it was just a very competitive game and a very good one to watch nonetheless. And then last Saturday, of course, you had Rodon LaSalle, and then you have VCU destroy St. Bonaventure by 28. St. Joe's defeated the Penn Quakers at the Palestra. Then Richmond paid a visit to their Virginian rival, uh, George Mason, when they won that one by 10. And then George, Ma uh, George Washington went to UMass and just destroyed the Minutemen by 24 points. And on Sunday, Davidson took care of Fordham on the road, 74-62. to We go to last Tuesday, where, or two days ago, where VCU defeated St. Joe's by 13. And then, of course, last night we had Rhode Island Duquesne, where Rhode Island, of course, won. Fast Russell, amazing game. And then Dayton defeated St. Bonaventure by 26. Jalen Crusher had 23 points, led the charge for the Dayton Flyers. Richmond took care of the LaSalle Explorers at home by 18 points, 75-57. And Davidson beat the St. Louis Bilkins, stifling them to 20 points in the first half. Their defense was on par then, and they held on for the 71-59 victory. Fordham at home grabs the dub against George Washington by five points, and George Mason gets the win over UMass, 70-63. We look ahead to this week in the A-10 play, and these games look mighty intriguing. On Saturday, of course, we have the Redon-St. Bonaventure game, which should be a good one. And a game to look out for is number seven, Dayton, travels to a hot Richmond team who's 5-1 and one in the A-10. True game to watch out for, as well as George Mason traveling to Davidson, one where Davidson get back on the right step and then get a win over George Mason. Then we're looking at the Tuesday night. It feels like Richmond plays the gauntlet this week. After that, they have to travel to VCU and play them um, on Tuesday night, as well as Rhode Island uh, traveling to the Eagle Bank Arena to give a visit to the George Mason Patriots. And then next Wednesday, we have number seven, Dayton, traveling to Duquesne, Hashtag pack the PPG. Yes, pack the PPG. That's where the, the Dukes will be hosting the Dayton Flyers. And then not really uh, any competitive games after that on Wednesday. Davidson travels to a pesky George Washington team in D.C. at the Charles E. Smith Center. St. Bonaventure travels to Fordham. St. Joe's plays UMass, in which should be a good one for the Battle of the Worsts. And then St. Louis plays LaSalle, but I really highlighted those great games because there are a few of them. There's like three or four very good games in the A-10. And to finish off this segment, we're going to go through the standings throughout the A-10 after last night. In first place, Dayton holds with a 17-2 record, 6-0, perfect in the A-10. In second place, Richmond uh, with a 15 and 4 record, 5 and 1 in the 8-10. In third place, you have your own Rhode Island Rams at 13 and 5 on the year, 5 and 1 in the 8-10. And that win over Duquesne uh, puts them over the edge as Duquesne drops the fourth spot in the conference at 5 and 1 in the 8-10 and 15-3 overall. And that fifth seed, St. Bonaventure has it at 12 and 7 and 4 and 2 in the 8-10. And VCU in sixth place at 14 and 5. And four and two in the A ten. Davidson in seventh at nine and nine, three and three, as well as St. Louis at three and three in the A ten. They are fourteen and five. 
And then you got a slew of teams, George Washington and George Mason at 2-4, and four, as well as a couple, uh, LaSalle, Fordham, UMass, tied at 1-5, and five, and then St. Joe's bringing up the rear at 0-6. Now, we look across the nation, and there were fireworks in the Power 5. Let's start last week and last Friday, Iowa upset number 19, Michigan, at Iowa, 90-83. to Louisville goes on the road to Duke and defeats the Blue Devils, 79-73 on Saturday, and Florida defeats uh, one loss, Auburn, now two loss, by 22 points, 69-47. Kansas State defeated West Virginia at home big time by 16 points. Penn State upset number 21, Ohio State. Don't really know if it's an upset anymore. Ohio State's been struggling. I think they lost the last five of their last six. Uh, Penn State won that one by 14, 90-76. DePaul upset number five, Butler, who has been struggling 79-66. We moved to Tuesday. Last Tuesday, we had Villanova and Butler, where Nova would beat Butler by 15. TCU then would go into upset Texas Tech in Fort Worth, 65-54. And we've all been waiting for number three, Kansas. Beat rival Kansas State in the Sunflower Showdown at the Fog Allen Fieldhouse, but without some late game of fireworks. Kansas was up big late. And with around 10 seconds left, similar to the Monmouth incident, can, um, a Kansas player, um, you know, defended off, was trying to defend off Kansas State players. There's like 10 seconds left. They're just trying to run the clock out. And a Kansas State player actually stole the ball and tried to go up for um, a dunk. But that same player who the ball was stolen from went up and threw it down. A massive block. And that same player would go on to look over the player, you know, step over him, and then the benches cleared. It was mayhem. One guy even had a chair in his hand like he was about a WWE, absolutely rock someone in the back of the head, do a little fake knockout, boom! You never know what's going to happen in those scenarios. That player was actually fine, uh, not fine, suspended 12 games for his incident after being suspended indefinitely by Bill Self and the Kansas Jayhawks. Obviously not a good sight to see, but there were... There was action in Kansas. Uh, I would say Kansas State didn't really go out without a fight, as they actually did have a fight. So then we moved to last Wednesday, or yesterday rather, and Iowa defeat number 24 Rutgers. Yes, Rutgers is ranked. They are that good. Number 24 Rutgers, 85-80. to 80. And Tulsa, Tulsa hosts number 20 Memphis. And they absolutely obliterate the number 20 ranked Memphis uh, Tigers. Listen to this score. 80-40, to 40, an absolute thumping of the Tigers in Tulsa. This week, we don't have as much action as last week, but we do have some good ones. On Saturday, we have number 9 Nova visiting the Providence College Friars um, in what should be a good one in the Big East. Number 21 Illinois travels to Michigan. And don't forget, on Saturday as well, you have the SEC Big 12 Challenge, including games like number 15 Kentucky traveling to Lubbock, Texas, uh, to face number 18, Texas Tech. Baylor travels to Florida, and what should be a great one. And let's talk about Saturday night. We got some Pac-12. We have some Paction on Saturday night. We have this, uh, the fight for Arizona as they travel, as the Wildcats travel to ASU. In a, uh, and what should be a great one there in Tempe, Arizona. And then a real good one next Wednesday. West Virginia travels to Texas Tech in a game with major Big 12 implications. 
And that's going to wrap it up tonight. Rhode Island, two big games when it comes to A-10 play. Of course, the big one on Saturday against St. Bonaventure, and then one on Tuesday where they got to hold on against uh, George Mason on the road. Stay alert for next Thursday's episode. We'll go over Rhode game, especially next Friday night against the VCU Rams. That one should be good, so stay tuned for next Thursday night to get that preview. We got an upcoming week for Rhodey. That will really test the Rams. I'm really excited. I hope you are too. As always, Rhodey, Rhodey, Rhodey.